Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I want to finish up the discussion of the Hunter Biden laptop, Twitter, FBI, Russian disinformation story <clears throat> in a second. I was just sitting here musing. Um, I got a, a text and a call from a, a guy I hadn't talked to for a while, a really fine fellow, and uh, he was calling with an offer to play just a spectacular golf course I've never played before on Thursday. I mean, it's like like super special. You can't get on it um, unless you're a member, and I'm not, and never will be. Um, but I'd have to miss the whole workday Thursday, and I turned him down because I feel like I have responsibility to Jack and and y'all, and I'm we're taking vacation around Christmas time, and I'm not going to take another day off, and I'm not looking for praise or anything. I'm not a hero. It's the way I was brought up. Um, but then Jack gets sick and he's out today just because he's got a microbe and he feels miserable like he's going to die so a little microbe you get to take off work an amazing golf course you don't life is funny isn't it Eh, doesn't matter I'll play golf while I'm on vacation. Anyway, so we're talking about uh, Jackie's sick but we're certainly hoping he gets better soon Uh, man there's so many bugs going around yikes 
including the vid, but please don't bore me with your COVID talk. Just do your best to stay healthy. Wash your hands, etc. Um, uh, cover your mouth when you, you cough and sneeze, would you, for the rest of us? Rich Lowry wrote a great piece in the New York Post that we just touched on. And again, if you didn't hear last hour, uh, grab Armstrong and Getty On Demand Hour 2. We we go into all sorts of aspects of the, the Twitter thing in the, the Hunter Biden laptop and the cover-up of it and, and all. But one aspect of this that I mentioned a couple of days ago, <clears throat> and I'm glad to hear Rich Lowry writing about it because he's a super writer. Um, the Intel officials who claimed Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation, are far more blameworthy than Twitter censors. And as I argued last hour, so is that FBI guy or multiple FBI guys, unless they were in good conscience warning Twitter and Facebook over and over again that there was going to be a misinformation dump involving Hunter Biden, and coincidentally... The laptop came out, and it was legit. Seems like a hell of a stretch to me. But anyway, with all due respect to resenting the woke Twitter doofuses for their role in this, I'm more interested, as is Rich Lowry, in these intelligence officials, for instance. Reading from Rich's piece, the Twitter files released by Elon Musk gave us a more fine-grained understanding of how and why the social media company decided to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story. This was a woefully stupid decision. Just to remind you, the New York Post's account was suspended for two weeks for the offense of coming up with a scoop that everyone is still talking about and will probably play a role in the upcoming GOP investigations into the Biden family corruption, if indeed it gets off the ground. Uh, Lowry writes, that's the kind of thing newspapers should get awards for. Twitter thought it should get punished for it. But the Twitter officials caught up in the progressive bubble that caused them to censor first, ask questions later, all in the name of safety, of course, weren't the most blameworthy actors in this episode. I agree completely. That dishonor belongs to the former intelligence officials who put out a widely cited, deliberately misleading letter suggesting that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. It muddied the discussion over the laptop and gave Joe Biden a handy tool to try to deflect the laptop story. These former officials knew what they were doing, traded on their public service for a tawdry political purpose and have by and large demonstrated no remorse. Or, Rich, I would jump in and say, as I've said a couple of times already, said, yeah, we did it, and here's why, and stood by it. I should have asked for us to dig up, uh, for the crew to dig up the, the tape of Brett Bear talking to one of these guys, one of these former intelligence gurus who, such a weasel, so lawyerly, in refusing to take any uh, responsibility for it. But they're, you know, they're spooks, they're spies, they're used to that, I guess. Um. Oh, you know, uh, getting back, and I'm sorry, I'll get back to the Rich Lowry piece, I promise, but uh, I watched that hour-and-a-half-long debate between Matt Taibbi and Douglas Murray and Malcolm Gladwell and Michelle Goldberg of the New York Times about whether we should trust the mainstream media or not. And, again, we'll post that link if you want to watch it. It's an hour-and-a-half, but it's terrific um, at armstrongandgetty.com, maybe a little later on today. Um, But Taibbi made the point that... These spooks, present and former, they deal with classified stuff all the time. And so there's no way to disprove or, or what's the term, falsify what they're claiming. 
And so the mainstream media gets leaks and tips from these people. <clears throat> they have no way to verify them. But they're trusted sources, and it's juicy as hell, some of the stuff they get. And so they print it all. A single anonymous so- source who's a spook giving information you can't possibly check into is constantly in our mainstream media. I don't think I have to further explain to you the problem with that. If I'm Joe CIA, here I go explaining the problem with that. Uh, if I'm Joe CIA and I decide to, you know, bring Raphael Warnock down a notch for the purpose of getting that great sage Herschel Walker elected, I just call my buddy at the New York Times, or I guess it'd be more useful to call my buddy at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and say, oh, yeah, you know, listen, this is, uh, I'm going out on a limb here for you, buddy, but uh, according to our files, uh, Raphael Warnock was actively recruited by the KGB in the 90s. Well, that'd be the FSB, I guess. Um <clears throat> And that he, he flirted with them, but finally uh, turned down the job because he wasn't getting paid enough. And my journalist buddy, well, I guess, uh, no, I, I would say that about Herschel Walker. So my journalist buddy obviously would go crazy. Are you serious? Is this true? Are you sure? Oh, I'm absolutely sure. And then they'd print that. Happens all the damn time. And it, you know what's funny? And it's another Matt Taibbi screed. Um, that it used to be the left in America was extremely distrustful of the FBI and the CIA and when it came to exist, the NSA, which is a newer phenomenon. It used to be that your your hippies and your uh, your ACLU back when it was a good organization, your uh, civil rights activists and, you know, the American left, the, the righteous, good old American left, was extremely skeptical of, of the secret spooks who operate in the darkness. And now they're, they, they lap their boots and print everything they say. That's about control. It's about control. And the left really wants control. Anyway, i got to get back to the Rich Lowry piece. I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent. But um, a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security. This is a good idea, and there's a huge discount going on right now. Uh, give me 60 seconds to explain it. The best home security system of 2022, 24-7 professional monitoring agents who, who keep track of those cameras and sensors and everything that you install yourself, and it's super easy. You can handle it, and they'll help you. But anyway, they use Fast Protect technology, which is trademarked. It's exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real. So when the alarm goes off and goes to the cops, it's not, yes, yeah, some alarm's going off in some guy's house over on 4th Street. No, it's that... There is a break-in. There's a burglary in progress on 4th Street. It is two guys, both of them wearing black, blah, blah, blah. You get priority dispatch. Simply Safe is so smart. HD security cameras for inside and out, uh, scanners and sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and other threats to your home. You're going to like it, and if you don't, there's no long-term contract. Right now, don't miss your chance for 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong today. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. The, uh, oh, the, uh, the night vision, uh, wireless outdoor camera. Oh my God. It's so cool. So cool. You will see the faces. You will read the license plate numbers. If anybody screws with your home, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. There's no safe like simply safe. Okay. Apologies. I went off on a couple of tangents. Back to Rich Lowry's piece about the former spooks present and former spooks who signed that letter claiming that the 
Hunter Biden laptop story bore all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. Ooh, the specific wording is important. We'll get into that because they were so weaselly about it. So anyway, even the former global head of trust and safety at Twitter, Lowry writes, who sounds like he just came from a sit-in at a university president's office demanding the disinvitation of a right-wing speaker from Canvas, even he has said the company should not have suppressed the Hunter Biden story. Virtually everybody at Twitter has come correct and said they made a terrible mistake. Amazingly, the former officials, once entrusted with some of the most sensitive powers and roles in the U.S. government, are not as responsible and accountable as a social media functionary from woke central casting. As a sheer matter of public accountability, their disgraceful performance should be one focus of the House Republican investigations beginning in January. More than 50 former intelligence officials signed the letter, including five former CIA directors or acting directors. Biden cited the letter in a debate with Trump. There are, he said, quote, 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. That statement was strictly true. It just didn't hold the significance that Biden hoped the average listener would assume. When Trump derisively noted that Biden said sounded like he was saying the laptop was another Russian hoax, Biden doubled down. That's exactly what we're told. Of course, we all know there's no way Biden heard about the laptop with all of its compromising information, thought, no, that's not my boy. That must have been the insidious work of an extremely adept, undetected Russian spy network trying to influence the election. He knew his son was a crackhead. And God bless him, he's, he's kicked his jug, drug habit. And I I'm, I'm, congratulate him, and I, I hope for health and happiness in a jail term going forward. But he knew his son had all those contracts with the, the the giant contracts inexplicably with foreign governments that he had supervisory uh, roles in in uh, our foreign policy toward. He knew all that stuff. He knew all that about his boy. So when he stood there on the the stage and claimed, "Oh, it's Russian disinformation," he had to know it wasn't. Back to Lowry. Not that. Oh, I'm sorry. Now that multiple other news outlets have confirmed the legitimacy of the laptop, the intelligence service letter writers have not repented about themselves spreading clever disinformation meant to influence the election. They've fallen back on loyally defense of their handiwork. Indeed, the letter writers played a game. They didn't actually say that the Hunter Biden laptop was disinformation. At the same time, they created that impression. This has given them plausible or more accurately implausible deniability. Cornered about the letter on Fox News, former CIA agency officer David Priest said that the Hunter laptop story, just as the letter asserted, had all the classic earmarks of Russian disinformation. That didn't mean it was disinformation. It just had the earmarks. But that's not how the letter was promoted at the time. Nick Shapiro, a prime mover behind the missive, and former top aide ex-CIA director John Brennan told Politico, quote, The real power here, however, is the number of former working-level intelligence officers who want the American people to know that once again the Russians are interfering. He stated that verbatim to Politico. No weasel words there. And the press coverage leaned heavily on the suspicions of the intelligence community officials, not on their loyalty caveats. Even more than the former management of Twitter, the letter writers have shown they should never be trusted again. Amen, Rich Rich Lowry. Well said. An update from Ukraine coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It was one of the largest strikes on Ukraine in recent weeks. Ukraine says as many as 70 missiles were fired by Russian forces, sending nearly an entire nation into shelters. Attempts to explain any logic on when they do it or at what time gap irritate me. It is not worth trying to forecast what the psychopath will do. They are psychopaths. That's it. So uh, a couple of days ago, there were explosions uh, deep within Russia at various military installations, and it was thought, uh, certainly claimed by the Russians, that it was uh, Ukrainian drones uh, doing some damage. Uh, one of the air bases was uh, where the base Russia uses to launch long-range missile, uh, long-range missiles rather into Ukraine. So that's uh, you know, that's probably exactly what happened. Um, so Russia deciding to rain retribution down on the Ukrainians' heads. Uh, for attacking within Russia. Uh, meanwhile, the headline just came out that the U.S., you know those Weimar uh, systems, um, the missile systems that we have given Ukraine? Evidently, we've altered them so they can't shoot them deep into Russia. So it probably wasn't that uh, system. We're trying to prevent any escalation of hostilities to, you know, that might turn into World War Three. But anyway, a little more from uh, Ukraine. Uh, and the idea of bombing them into submission, it will never happen. It doesn't work. Didn't work in World War II. Didn't work in Vietnam. It doesn't work. Clip 81. While Ukraine's Air Force reports it shot down 60 of the 70 missiles, those that made it through caused multiple deaths and widespread damage. Businesses and homes were destroyed, and once again, many are now without critical utilities like running water and heat. They waited until temperatures got to 23, 21 degrees, until it got cold. But we have blankets, sleeping bags, camping gas, and the metro. There you go. We have blankets. We'll be fine. 
liberty or death. And finally, uh, Vlad Putin sticking his neck out in a way that he doesn't often, desperately in need of a symbolic victory, headed for that bridge. You remember the one that got bombed uh, that connects Russia with Crimea? Here's a quick report on that. This latest seemingly retaliatory strike on Ukraine happened the same day Russian President Vladimir Putin drove across the newly repaired bridge that links Russia to Crimea. It's a symbolic showing of strength after the road was severed October 8th by a truck bomb. So they got that fixed. I'm a little disappointed, honestly. Uh, something tells me it may go kerblooey again. I think we're going to settle in for a prolonged period of not much happening um, in terms of a, a change in the balance of power. I mean, if you have a missile bring your apartment building down, or, or kill your child, obviously, there's plenty happening. But uh, in terms of progress or, or lack of it, uh, I think the winter time is going to be um, a lot of stasis, as they say, in Ukraine. But we'll follow for you. If anything interesting happens, we'll, we'll bring it to you indeed. Speaking of interesting, uh, Sarah Westwood of the Washington Examiner, absolutely terrific reporter, going to ask her a couple of uh, questions about things happening politically in, inside D.C. and whether the uh, runoff in Georgia really matters since the Democrats already have, with Kamala Harris's tiebreaker, a majority in the Senate. But uh, we'll take a look at, at D.C. for a moment or two with Sarah. Coming up next, hope you can stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Come rain, sun, or shine, we got to get out there and let them know we're sick and tired of this. We need people to show up tomorrow. 
A final sprint in a long, tumultuous campaign trail with a grueling four stops for incumbent Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock and five events for Republican challenger Herschel Walker. The latest CNN poll puts Warnock ahead of Walker by a mere four points. We are absolutely not going to wear you out with Georgia runoff information because there's really nothing to say until all the votes are counted. But let's start there, at least briefly, with Sarah Westwood, who's an investigative reporter for the Washington Examiner, formerly White House reporter for CNN. Sarah, how are you? Uh oh, is that a uh... Sarah? Are you there? Uh, yeah, Michael. Why don't we hang up and see if we can uh, reconnect and get a. Uh... A connection that would work? The hazards of digital communication. Sarah's actually written a couple of uh, really interesting things. Are we... What's that, Mike? Okay. Okay, Sarah, are you there? I am. Can you hear me oh. now? Oh, yeah, you're absolutely perfect now. We're getting some weird <laughs> digital <laughs> fluttering. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, so I was just mentioning, you've written some really interesting things lately about several different topics that I want to touch on. But if you don't mind terribly, if we could start with the Georgia runoff, does it matter which one of them wins, really, uh, since the Democrats are definitely going to have a 50-plus tiebreaker majority no matter what happens? And if it does matter, why? You know, there are some reasons why it does matter, uh, and I think the biggest one is probably control of the committees. With a 50-50 split, the two parties have to enter a power-sharing agreement, and they end up having equal representation on the committees. If one party has an outright majority, which Democrats would have if Warnock wins re-election, then they get to have a majority of members on the Senate committees, and then Republicans don't really have any tools to block Biden administration nominees, which is something they're able to do quite effectively when they are in when they are in a 50-50 split. So that's one reason why it matters. But then, you know, in a broader sense, it doesn't. And I think that's because Republicans control the House. So Democrats don't really have a lot of paths to advance anything legislatively like they did when they had both chambers. So even though they do still have that 50 or potentially 51 seat majority Biden's agenda is largely dead thanks to the GOP House majority. Right. And while it's better to just have to have like one Joe Manchin to stop something from happening as opposed to having to get him and Kirsten Sinema, for instance. Um, yeah, that's a good point about the, the House. So, all right. So uh, of, of middling importance. And uh, dare I say, these are my words, not yours, Sarah. If only the Republicans <laughs> had run a non putz in Georgia. Anyway, um so let's let's talk about some of the things you've been writing about. I I have railed about this idea, but evidently there's a move in the Boston uh, area to lower the voting age to 16. That's right, and it's not just in Boston. You know, we've seen uh, significant efforts in California, in Virginia. We have lawmakers introducing measures, and 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 like you mentioned, in Boston, this advanced late last week, of Democrats trying to lower the voting age to 16. You know, they argue that today's 16-year-olds are much better informed and civically engaged than the 16-year-olds of the the generation that was around when the 26th Amendment was added to the Constitution, that 16-year-olds these days often have jobs and are paying taxes and are therefore stakeholders in the policies that affect them. Uh, And There's also the structural advantage Democrats have pushing this, that young people overwhelmingly vote for Democrats, and they'd be tapping into 
a strong constituency for themselves by changing the Constitution. So you do see this movement at the local level. You are so fair, and I appreciate that. So I will jump in and say children are easy <laughs> to manipulate and will vote exclusively Democrat. And the idea that the 16-year-old today is so much more uh, you know, grown up and, and connected uh, compared to, say, a few generations ago when they were two years away from being married with children and full-time jobs, that's, uh, that's a stretch. It hasn't happened in California yet. I, I find the idea absolutely obscene. Um, I don't know that much about Boston politics. Is, does it feel like it's close to happening, or, or where is that? No. I mean, basically what this was was a petition that the progressive members of the Boston City Council advanced. The mayor, who is a progressive, is likely to sign it, but then it would go to the Massachusetts State House. The state would have to amend its constitution, like most states that are pursuing this. Um, and so, you know, it, it's not likely that we'll see this move forward necessarily. I mean, there have been other cities and localities, including here in Washington, D.C., that have tried it and it's failed. But it does just show that Democrats have had an increased willingness over the past couple of years to sort of bend election rules in ways that suit them and demonize anyone who wants to do their own reforms on election laws. If Republicans want to do the same right. thing. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. Hello, uh, Atlanta. Hello, Georgia. Losing the All-Star game for no reason. Uh, you know, I'm reminded of uh, the, the Biden loan forgiveness thing, which, and granted, I, <clears throat> I'm i an advocate for conservative causes, proudly and openly. But, you know, I sometimes put on my nonpartisan analyst hat and just try to understand the issues. I, I thought the, the chance of the loan forgiveness getting through the courts was practically zero. Just because the the reasoning with the Heroes Act um, and the the size of the executive action, the fact that it wasn't specifically an act of Congress, that it just I thought there was no way it gets through the courts, and and I was right. But the Biden administration, still from their perspective, got value out of it because they're the brave champions of the poor people who who owe student loan money, and it was those mean, nasty Republicans who shut down the forgiveness. So politically, they get what they're looking for. I'm guessing that in the same way, whether it's Boston, California, Virginia, I think you mentioned in one of your articles, um, the progressives get credit among the 16, 17-year-old crowd that, wow, they love me and respect me so much, they wanted me to vote, and it was those mean Republicans who shut it down. Same thing, right? Yeah, I think in some sense, you know, it's an organizing tactic to get these young people who will they're not disenfranchised from the vote. They will be able to vote when they come of age. So in you know the next cycle, if they have been in contact with their local Democratic Party and have seen those lawmakers fighting for the right to vote earlier than 18, you know they're locking up those voters earlier. So it's strategic in that sense. I think the the student loan thing. I mean, just to touch on that for a second, that was simple, you know in, in a lot of in a cynical view, a bribe to you know suburban voters who polls showed were drifting towards. Republicans, and you've noticed that the Biden administration has not fought particularly hard to keep it in place now that they've, you know, succeeded, um, relatively speaking, in the midterms. And you don't see them even talking about it anymore now that, that it sort of served its electoral purpose. Well, I think it's obscene that waitresses and cashiers at the Walmart are not being asked to pay back the loans of college students. But anyway, Sarah Westwood of the Washington Examiner on the line. You've written a couple of interesting pieces, which I I admit to my shame, I was just able to scan quickly. But about policing, specifically uh, the Portland police are banned from using some riot tools and then other cities that are trying like crazy to recruit cops. What's happening? 
Right. I mean, I think these two dynamics are sort of interconnected, right? In oh, agreed. Cities, yeah. Yeah. And these big cities that have high levels of crime and that are represented by progressives that are openly antagonistic towards law enforcement, you have police officers who are, you know, considering why they're staying in uh, those jurisdictions when they could go anywhere else, do the same job that they love and not have to deal with that sort of thing, to deal with the, the fact that they could be hit with a pricey lawsuit and stripped of tools if they, you know, use them uh, in the, against activists. That was the, the case in Portland. Activists in the 2020 riots sued the police department for using uh, flash grenade-like distraction devices. Now the Portland police is not allowed to use those anymore. So the next time there's a riot, they'll have even fewer tools. But so now you have these cities that are basically in a bidding war for law enforcement talent. They're offering sort of staggering signing bonuses for experienced police officers. They're offering to help police officers with down payments on their homes, with their rent in these big cities. I mean, anything to recruit talent because over the past couple of years, they've repelled so many talented police officers. Sarah Westwood of the Washington Examiner, uh, we thank you for your time. Really interesting stuff. You need to follow Sarah on social media and be sure to read her at thewashingtonexaminer.com. Thanks, Sarah. Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So, yeah, the law enforcement thing is uh, watching this unfold in slow motion. It's so amazing, especially, you know, with friends who are cops and uh, some of you good people who correspond with us, whether it's uh, the email, which is mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com or whatever. Um, the the feeling on, on the first level, the feeling among cops that if something difficult happens <clears throat> in the chaos of the streets, um, something goes a little sideways that I'm involved in. My supervisors, the brass, are not going to have my back. Because whether it's the upper echelons of law enforcement or like the city government itself, they're anti-cop. They're, they're spoiling for a chance to hang a cop out to dry. And, of course, this is never a defense of bad police. Police are government officials, and you know our attitude around here about government officials who uh, exceed their, their legitimate powers or abuse citizens. We despise it. But the idea that, that woke simpletons extrapolate that because there are a few bad cops, all cops are pigs, for instance, or, or whatever, uh, all cops are bastards, that thing, you people are, are dangerous morons. So anyway, you got these cops who feel like the the brass and the city fathers and mothers uh, aren't going to have their back. That's a bad feeling. I've talked to police, some of whom have taken early retirement because they know how risky that is. Secondly, and more concretely, you have these woke prosecutors, as we've discussed, you know, more than once, and the cops are thinking, okay, so there's a dangerous bad guy right there. I either know him to be dangerous or, you know, any arrest, any interaction with law enforcement can turn dangerous. You're asking me to go after him, to actively get hold of that person because they're a criminal, fill out all the paperwork at risk of life and limb, et cetera, and then at the next step in the justice chain, you're just going to turn them loose? And say, well, he's just misunderstood or it was income inequality or we're incarcerating too many of this sort of person or that sort of person. 
We're not going to prosecute. What did George Gascon say? We can't prosecute our way out of those iniquities we see. Or whatever he said. Kermit the Vampire. Anyway, uh, why the hell would you risk your ass? Particularly in that municipality. When you could go work for some suburban law enforcement agency that believes criminals ought to be prosecuted and cops need to be backed up. Yeah, it's not surprising to me that Portland and Seattle and San Francisco and Sacramento and, and Philadelphia and Chicago and New York and all the blue cities in the world are desperate for cops. You should see the statistics about early retirements and the rest of it. It's a crisis. So, anyway, it's a good thing Sarah's writing about it. Uh, oh, that just, uh, what was I going to talk about? Uh, that just uh, clicked in my mind. I was talking about, just, uh, I can't remember now. Got so many different things to squeeze in. Uh, whatever it is, it will be compelling, it will be relevant, and it will be in a moment or two. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. New York City recently posted a job listing for a director of rodent mitigation, which will pay up to $170,000 a year. Wow, $170,000 a year to say maybe don't serve dinner in the gutter? (laughs) Might that mitigate? That had to be a visual, huh? I like was this other. Michael? You want a better joke? I, I like this one about the tortoise. Yeah, I thought it, this was kind of okay. funny. Yeah, all right. From rats to tortoises. A tortoise named Jonathan that lives on the island of St. Helena recently celebrated his 190th birthday with his 140-year-old trophy wife. <laughs> Everyone's laughing at you, Jonathan. 
That's funny. That is funny. Uh, what's the? Uh, does this apply to tortoises? Half your age plus seven is the 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 Mendoza line, the over under, the respectability line. If you're a dude, I guess, or or a, a cougary gal, who am I to be sexist? So, oh oh, you know what? Before I get to that, um, I I remembered what I wanted to talk about. It clicked in my mind, and and we'll do it next hour because I don't want to rush through it, but. Some of the statistics about Americans voting for their feet, moving to more politically comfortable uh, areas or states, is really something. I mean, it is a phenomenon. And what it means and what it might bring is is pretty interesting, too. But we'll get to that uh, next hour. So, Oh, and if you don't get the next hour on your, your favorite radio station or you got to miss it or whatever, grab it later via podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Um, so, okay, so if I'm, say, uh, 60, I'm not, but just for the sake of the argument, half your age plus seven. So a 37-year-old woman is the youngest I can go. Otherwise, it's, it's, uh, it's not cool. 37. That's pretty young for 60. It's not ridiculous, but that's why the, the, the Mendoza line is there. How about, if, how about if you're you're 45, your marriage doesn't work out for whatever reason, it happens, or maybe you've stayed single, who knows? So that would be a 22-year-old plus 7 is 29. Oh, that's, that's perfectly fine. I mean, she's a young gal, but I mean, that's not like weird. It's not like Anna Nicole Smith with her fossil old man thing. That was oh, just so unfortunate in so many ways. Uh, what time is it, Michael? Oh, we don't have a lot of time to get into anything really of substance. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm scanning the stuff that we have to talk about. Um, you know, I've got a couple of California stories that, uh, you know, I tell you this. You could you could think of these stories next hour when we get into the why people are voting with their feet because... One of the major phenomena, which I'm sure you've heard, is a hell of a lot of people are leaving California. Um, shocking numbers. A couple of stories, just real quickly. California state government spends twice as much per resident than just 10 years ago. Adjusted for inflation and everything. More than twice as much. Spending money like lunatics. Dubious benefits. Edward Ring, who's a terrific writer, writes... By nearly every measure, things are worse off today in California. Obvious examples include expensive and unreliable energy and water, failing schools, rising crime, unaffordable housing and college tuition, exploding homeless population, bums and junkies and criminals on the street. Uh, but that's hardly the entirety of the worsening challenges facing Californians. The decade-long run of record tax revenue spawned an avalanche of new regulations, driving up prices, discouraging expansion of big business, and driving small business under. Through its spending priorities, California attracts the dependent and repels anyone striving for independence. It's grotesquely inequitable. Well said. And then you got this story. Going in depth uh, into the California panel that is sizing up reparations for black citizens. And this account in the New York Times is far more sympathetic to the idea than I would be. But even they point out that the the cost would be for the plan as this panel has at this point, uh, the task force they estimates compensation of around five hundred and seventy billion dollars, quarter million dollars per person. 
quarter million dollars per person, $570 billion. They point out the final figures will be released in the report next year. It would then be up to the legislature to say, are you out of your mind? That's not what they say in the New York Times. The New York Times says it would be up to the legislature to act upon the recommendations and determine how to fund them. Well, they won't. They won't. It's ridiculous. It's insulting to the intelligence. We don't have to go over why one more time, but oh, my Lord. The illogic of it, the, the unicornian thinking of it, the, the earth-shattering expense of it, if it went through. That's why people are saying, all right, that's enough. That's enough. I'm out. It's a good point, sir. Uh, anyway, uh, much more to come next hour, including the stuff we talked about it again. If you can't grab it, you can't listen to it, grab the podcast later. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.